0: and a smile. Visit Village Green in Bethesda at 5415 West Cedar Lane or call us at 301-530-0800 or go to our website at myvillagegreen.com. We're here to help you.
1: Welcome listeners to the Essentials of Healthy Living on 1500 AM brought to you by Village Green Apothecary, located at 6415 West Cedar Lane in Bethesda, Maryland. I'm Dana Lake, and I bring you a wide variety of really good information all about you and your health. And I just want to remind listeners that you can listen to this podcast and all of our podcasts through the Essentials of Healthy Living on iTunes podcast. That's the Essentials of Healthy Living through iTunes podcast. It's a reminder that we're here every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Tune in next week for more information on healthy living. Now, our guests guests today are Chrissy Williamson, a certified nutrition specialist, CNS, and faculty member of MUIH, the Maryland University of Integrative Health. We are fortunate to be talking also with Michelle Gottfried, CNS with a focus on nutrigenomics and we've got two experts to listen to. I think this is very exciting they've uh, participated and created groundbreaking Expansion in the field of nutritional genomics and our subject is about genetic insights on food diet and Weight loss. Welcome to the show ladies. Hi, thanks for having us. Well, we've got a lot to talk about First of all, because this subject, even though we've talked about it uh, before on the shows and we bring it up, talk about nutrigenomics, nutritional genomics. What do, let's get an explanation of what genomics means as far as clinical application.
2: All right. Um, Well, in terms of what we do differently at the Nutritional Genomics Institute is that we actually validate the genome. Um, so, you know, we talk about how, you know, nutritional genomics is an umbrella uh, term. And so we talk about how there are two branches of that there's nutrigenetics and then there's nutrigenomics. And we talked about this a little bit last time when we talked about COVID um, on the last time I was on the show with you guys. So, um, but we look at nutrigenetics as disease risk prediction. Um, And so that's really looking at things like odds ratios, talk about breast cancer risk factors, um, and things how diet might influence that. Um, But those things really aren't all that modifiable because they're not necessarily measurable. And then we look at things like nutrigenomics, and we call that the measurable effect on the genome. So those are the things that we can actually measure and then change and track. So looking at things like B12 status or methylmalonic acid status, looking at um, our organic acid factors or looking at, you know, things like that. So looking at amino acids, organic acids, fatty acids, Um, especially since we're going to be talking about weight loss today, we might look at our fatty acid status a little bit closer. Um, So those things are really, really important um, as we're looking at those two different fields um, of nutritional genomics. But it's pretty important to make that
1: distinction. Um, So when we're talking about
2: validating or measuring, that's really what we're looking at.
1: Well, that's a good explanation. Michelle, do you have something to add to that uh, for our listeners' information?
3: Um, Sure. I I like to think of nutrigenomics as helping people to understand why they are the way they are. So really like digging into how their variations can affect Their nutritional status and then looking at the two together really help people to understand aha that's why that happens to me and doesn't happen to my neighbor so that's a little more easy explanation (laughs) um but really helping people to understand why they are the way they are
1: i'm so glad you're saying this because in the early years of medical uh in medicine and in nutrition it was thought that everything was in the genes and the genes were frozen. There was nothing you could do about them. And I think that that concept is what kept the medical community from embracing the idea of prevention. Prevention in the medical community uh, almost into the 90s was vaccination. They really didn't have prevention, and what we were taught was that you can't treat a disease until it exists, and if you treat a condition that doesn't exist, then that's quackery, and people were called before boards of medicine for quackery. And most of the partners I had in functional medicine practices got called before board for this and other really sort of not very, uh, not, not based in reality uh, problems. And there was a lot of controversy in those years. Now, you don't hear the medical community say, don't treat a condition until it exists. And that you can't do anything for heart disease until someone's had a heart attack. And I'm a dental hygienist originally. And dentistry is the first profession to try to put itself out of business. Because we teach people how to prevent decay and periodontal disease. So when I got into nutrition and then blended that in into nutritional medicine, medical nutrition, I was flabbergasted that the idea of doing something in advance was considered really abnormal in as far as the practices were concerned so I always have to give that uh, kudos to dentistry and dental hygiene in particular as to being way ahead of the pack so talk some more about this interesting subject of genomics and its involvement and could you please go over the whole issue of epigenetics with regard to genomics? Because we talk about it on the show quite a bit, but I think it always has to be reinforced. Well, um,
2: in terms of epigenetics, so epigenetics basically means you know, a couple of different things to a couple of different people, uh, depending on who you ask. Um, but epigenetics basically, you know, if we're talking about a real technical definition are, are the, little, the little flags that, you know, can get passed down um, from generation to generation, and they, you know, control or regulate gene expression. Um, so, you know, basically whether or not the gene is turned on or off, and I would say the superstar that everybody knows about is whether or not it's methylated. So, that little carbon and three hydrogen, you know, you know, talk about MTHFR who we call the celebrity SNP um, at NGI. Um, So, you know, we oftentimes will put a little sunglasses and hats on, on, on MTHFR um, when we're describing it to patients. Um, So, you know, this is, you know, when we're talking about whether or not that gene is active um, or that, that SNP is active, Um, Again, that's really why we come back to nutrigenomics, um, whether or not we can measure it, whether or not it's active. Um, And so, you know, that um, algorithm, in terms of looking at all of those different organic acids, amino acids, those biomarkers, um, that's actually how we look into, into the human body to be able to see whether or not we actually have epigenetic expression. Um, you know, a lot of times we're looking at, you know, sort of abstract markers in terms of cancer genomics and those types of things and kind of going, you know, that transcriptonomics is out of reach in terms of clinical application, um, but it really isn't. Um, when we actually apply, you know, four or five point algorithmic steps, um, we can actually look and determine whether or not a gene is active, you know, four or five points up or down, um, looking at gene-gene interactions and those types of things. So it's pretty, pretty cool. Um, what we're able to do in clinical practice, um, you know, we don't always have, you know, the supercomputers, the AI computers that are out there that are able to to do that. There are several in development um, that are pretty neat, um, but you know, we we still do it by hand at NGI. So we don't, you know, have a lot of a lot of patients that we see at one time, but. Um, you know, that epigenetic activation is super, super important. You wouldn't treat um, someone that had cancer genetics at age two uh, with chemotherapy. Um, the same is true when, you know, you're looking at an adult. Um, you still don't treat them for a disease, just like, the, just like you were saying. You know, the, the medical boards would go absolutely crazy if, if we did that. Um, so the same concept still applies, um, but if you know you have a risk factor, and you can see that it's there, um, you would still prevent it or modulate that um, if you knew that the epigenetic exposure, say, you know, environmental toxin or something like that, was there. Um, you would actively intervene to avoid that if you knew that it would
1: epigenetically activate that gene. So that's kind of. That's well, kind of I'm always it's excited there. about it. One of my colleagues in the autism community uh, was on the original study via NIH and they discovered the plasticity of genes and she said they could not say a word until another facility (laughs) duplicated their work because they were turning genetics upside down and to me it's so exciting Uh, and we've learned a lot through autism about everybody it you know what we find in autism just isn't isolated to those have autism it it applies to many individuals at many different levels so i'm always excited to be in the arena of those that that are making that are pathfinders they are you really know what you're doing when it comes to the this genomics issue so we're going to carry on the conversation in the next segment and talk more about what you do and how specifically we can affect our weight through diet, through genomics. We can look at weight, we can look at health, and we talked about COVID before, and if you want to talk about that as well, uh, wherever we meander along the way in this conversation is fine with me. So if you've just tuned in, folks, you're with The Essentials of Healthy Living on 1500 AM. I'm Dana Lake, your host for the hour and we're having really interesting conversation with two experts. We're talking with Chrissy Williamson, a certified nutrition specialist, and her colleague, Michelle Gottfried, and we've been talking about nutrigenomics, we're going to talk about uh, food, diet, weight loss, and the involvement of nutrigenomics in many ways for our health. So stay with us, folks, we'll be right back.
4: to the planet, committed to pure and great tasting omega oils.
5: Are you under a lot of stress these days? Pressure from your job, personal life, politics, it can all take a serious toll on your health but we can help. Village Green Apothecary can help you achieve a healthier lifestyle with our wide range of nutritional supplements, health-related books, and more. We've been providing customized nutrition and healthy living resources for over 50 years, and we'll take the time to advise you about your unique needs. Stop by Village Green Apothecary in Bethesda at 5415 West Cedar Lane, or visit our website at myvillagegreen.com.
0: When it comes to taking a multivitamin, the Pure Encapsulations One Multivitamin makes it one and done. This convenient formula provides vitamins, minerals, and other essential nutrients in a comprehensive vegetarian multivitamin for both men and women in a once-daily dose. It includes L5-MTHF, the universally metabolized form of folate, and an antioxidant complex with sustained release, CoQ10, to enhance immunity and support energy metabolism. The One Multivitamin, available at Village Green Apothecary.
6: statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, this product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.
4: Staying mentally sharp means nourishing the mind as well as the body. That's why there's new Cognishore from Metagenics. Research shows that the active natural ingredient in Cognishore supports multiple mechanisms necessary for maintaining healthy cognition and a healthy brain as it ages. Cognishore is also easy to take in delicious, chewable chocolate tablets. Have a clear and bright future by maintaining mental capacity with healthy habits and Cognishore. Remember Cognishore for healthy brain aging support. Available through your healthcare professional and Village Green Apothecary.
0: I'm Mark Isaacson, owner of Village Green Apothecary in Bethesda, the most unique pharmacy in the country. You are unique, and at Village Green, we treat you this way. At Village Green, our passion is personalization and getting the root cause of health conditions, guidance on foods, nutrients, and pharmaceuticals to empower you with personalized recommendations just for you. For over 50 years, customers have depended on advice from our expert team of pharmacists and clinical nutritionists, Visit Village Green in Bethesda or online at myvillagegreen.com.
1: Welcome back, listeners, to the second segment of The Essentials of Healthy Living on 1500 AM, brought to you by Village Green Apothecary. I'm Dana Lake, and I'm your host for the hour. And we're having an excellent conversation with Chrissy Williamson, who you have heard before. So she's back with more information and her colleague Michelle Godfrey and we're talking about nutrigenomics we're talking about the effect of gene expression on health we're going to meander into weight diet food and take it away ladies what do you have uh, Michelle to say on this subject
3: Um, Well, I'm going to let Chrissy start with uh, one of the genes that we have on um, our weight loss panel. We create panels of different genes that are in pathways that we can actually affect. So in weight loss, we have um, hormones and peptides and things that influence how we store fat, how we metabolize things. And um, we look at each one of those to help you understand why something might be happening to you versus what's happening to your neighbor or friend. And then we help you to change the biochemistry of your body so that you can then um, keep off the weight or lose weight or eat the correct diet, that kind of thing. So she's gonna, I think, talk about um, a gene called PPARG. It's paroxysomes, it's our fat burning machines in our body. And they're super interesting. One thing I wanna point out is that when these aren't working, for people that are doing a ketogenic diet, it can be very dangerous. And I know the ketogenic diet is very popular right now. So sometimes it doesn't work for people. And this may be one of the reasons why it's not working as well as you think it might. So go. Yeah. Away, that's Chrissy. important. <laughs> you're gonna,
1: you're so expand to on this concept, Chrissy.
2: Yeah. So. Well, one of the the things I want to kind of put some framework on there uh, before we get started is that um, when we're looking at like a a weight loss panel, for instance, so we've got, we have a, we have a diet, we have a set of, well, we call them panels, but we have a diet panel, we have a sport panel or exercise panel or optimal exercise panel, and then we have a weight loss panel. And these three things work in tandem. So a lot of people come and they're like, oh, I want to lose weight. And it's like, well, okay, yes, we want to lose weight, but let's also look at what your optimal exercise is. And let's also look at what your optimal diet is. So we can't just, you know, focus on the one thing. I think people, you know, we we always kind of get, you know, we look in that quick fix, let's fix it, let's get in there. Um, And genetics obviously influence all of these things. Um, But if you're eating, you know, Sometimes have, well, I'm, I'm going to bite my tongue here. If you're eating a poor diet, I, we have a joking word that sometimes we say at the practice. But um, if, if, you're, if you're not eating your optimal diet, if you're eating things that are bad for you, and a lot of people think, okay, nuts and spinach and all of these things are really good for me because, you know, the media says they're good for me. Those things are all really high in something called oxalate. Um, oxalate can be really, really inflammatory for a lot of people. So we might come back to that. Um, or if you're doing the wrong kind of exercise, you know, and I'm actually talking about me right now. Um, I used to eat a really high oxalate diet, a paleo-style diet. I used to think that weightlifting was super, super good for me. It turns out that I'm actually um, what I would call a cardio bunny. Like I need low-intensity exercise that I can walk forever. Um, Once I implemented on my own plan here, I've lost over 40 pounds. Um, And I'm getting ready to lose more weight um, as I'm implementing on this Uh, weight loss panel. I've been struggling with my weight my entire life. um, And this has been a a godsend for me. Um, And Michelle over here,
3: who didn't need to lose an ounce, has actually lost how much weight, Michelle? Well, I, as I, as I got older, I got a middle. So I've lost 10 pounds from my middle by applying. I'm somebody who responds really well to fasting. So I've been religiously doing intermittent fasting, and I've taken off 10 pounds and kept it off. By activating that pathway that works really well for me. So, excellent. Yeah. Talk about that's the intermittent
1: here. fasting. We have mentioned this on the show in the past. So, uh would you cover intermittent fasting? Absolutely. Yeah, oh.
2: that's actually one of the things that worked really well for me, too. <laughs> um, well, we'll come back to paroxysms, then, if you want to do that. We can talk about intermittent fasting. Um, so um, there are certain genes, one called the clock gene, um, that basically we joke around and call this the hunter and gatherer gene, or at least that's what I call it. <laughs> um, it's basically go to bed with the sun and rise with the sun. Um, if you have a variation in this gene, you, you haven't evolved, um, but so much. Um, I have this gene. <laughs> um, I need to go to bed by 10 o'clock. I need to wake up at 6 a.m. Um, traveling um, in terms of time zone changes, really, really bad for me. Um, if you go on vacation and you travel, not that that's happening right now, um, but if you travel and you gain weight, this means that you probably have this gene variation. Um, you need to allow some extra time in between this, you know, your travel time, you know, back when we to conferences and things like that. Um, You know, that intermittent fasting is super, super important for you if you have this clock gene. Um, So depending on a couple of other genes, a couple of weight loss genes that kind of interplay with the clock gene, um, you know, there are for uh, menstruating females, you know, you can, you know, basically have a fasting window that really, really works between like 12 and 4 um, to have that fasting window. Basically, that's your eating window. Um, for, other, for other women, um, postmenopausal women and for males, that window can widen a little bit more. Um, so it just depends on where you are. And also for, for women who still are dealing with hormones, you actually need to uh, pay attention to when your cycle is. So three weeks on, two weeks off, that sort of thing. The, the cortisol, aldosterone, uh, estrogen access really impacts how you should do intermittent fasting. It's very important to pay attention to that um michelle you have some other things to add about that
3: i mean there's all different ways to fast um i personally stop eating at 8 p.m every night eating and drinking alcohol (laughs) um and i don't start back up until noon the next day so i don't know what that hour but you can do any you can do different kinds of windows depending on what works with your social life what works with your family um and it is i have to say it's hard in the beginning you feel like you're hungry because your your body is actually making more peptides to tell you to eat when you stop eating um because it's trying to balance um, everything out for you and so in the beginning it is hard but you can if you balance your neurotransmitters and you take some things to help you feel more full and look at your genetics you actually can like get through that first week of feeling hungry all the time pretty well um that's what I like about it. So I teach people how to do that.
1: Very well described. I, I'm with you, Michelle. And for years, I knew that if I ate a very full breakfast, it did not work for me. Um, mm-hmm. And I would get back down to a little bit of protein, something just a little bit. And then I started noticing I'm not even hungry until 12. And then the intermittent fasting concept comes along and I realized I'd been doing this just innately listening to my body and that I was accomplishing the intermittent fasting and sometimes longer. Um, as, as you all know, if, if, as you get better at it, you can extend that fasting time. Do we want to go back and talk about paroxysome Uh, function and what they're influenced by. I love the cinnamon, zinc, uh, low-fat diet, and sleep. So these are uh, influencers. So tell us about it. Sure. So
2: peroxisomes, I call them the extra little fat burners in your body. Um, So they basically help you break down fats in your body. So, you know, specifically like very long-chain fatty acids, um, and if your mitochondria or your your energy units, I call them the MENT, sometimes they basically print money or print energy in your body. Um, you know, people like to think in terms of in terms of money. Um, but your mitochondria they they make sure that you have a nice robust economy. Um, but if your mitochondria are working pretty well, um, and of course you can measure those functions with organic acids, um, but if they're working pretty well, then you should be able to oxidize fat well. Um, and you do that mostly through your peroxisomes. But if your mitochondria are slacking a little bit or if you've had you know, damage through them through either medications or other issues, genetic issues, um, then adding in more fat into the system through perhaps like a ketogenic diet is likely going to be pretty inflammatory. Um, so this is when we end up having you know, an extreme inflammatory response when we do a super high fat diet Um, Either, you know, a a Western, you know, SAD diet, a standard American diet, um, or we do, you know, a ketogenic diet. Um, So unfortunately, a lot of people don't do keto quite well. Um, You know, they don't quite do it the right way. Um, But, you know, this is one of those things where if you have impairments in your peroxisome genes, in your PPAR genes, um, then you end up causing more inflammation anyway, even if you're doing keto the right way. Um, So these are people that, you know, you'll see that they have an incredible demand for carnitine. Um, You have a credible demand for B2, these types of things, um, when they're doing the ketogenic diet. So those are a couple biohacks. Um, So if you're finding that you're really, really tired, you're getting that keto flu when you're doing the diet, um, that's probably why you might have some issues in your genes for peroxidomes. Um, But if you're just, you know, having a normal diet and you're trying to oxidize fat a little bit better, um, things like cinnamon, things like zinc, things like I3C or DIM, those types of things can help to upregulate uh, peroxisome function. Um, you do have to be careful with some of those com- um, components because, of course, they influence other pathways. Um, one of my favorite things uh, to my staff and to my students is that nothing acts in isolation. Um, so, you know, you always have to make sure that you're looking at uh, where all of the other things work in the body when you add these things in. But um, sleep and low-calorie diet and low-fat diet also help to influence peroxidant function.
1: Very interesting. Well, we will keep this conversation going in our next segment. And if you've just tuned in, folks, you're with The Essentials of Healthy Living on 1500 AM. I'm Dana Lake, your host for the hour, we're brought to you by Village Green Apothecary, and we're having an excellent discussion with Chrissy Williamson, who you have met before on the show, and her esteemed colleague, Michelle Godfrey. So we're gonna continue talking about nutrigenomics, personalized, individualized medicine. And this was the medicine of the future and we're there so we have a lot more to talk about hang in there folks we'll be right back
6: have you ever wondered why the cold and flu season occurs in the fall and winter months one theory is because of a decrease in sun exposure our bodies don't make enough vitamin d which is essential to proper immune function that's why medical experts recommend supplementing with vitamin d Thorne researches vitamin d products are made from pure vitamin d with no preservatives or unnecessary ingredients added Support your immune system with Thorne's Vitamin D1000 and D5000. These and other immune-supporting formulas are always available at Village Green. Do
4: you have unique needs that a mass-market pharmacy can't meet? Village Green Apothecary can help. Maybe your doctor prescribed a special compounded formula, or you have concerns about allergies or dietary supplements. Our expert team includes pharmacists, nutritionists, clinical herbalists, and naturopaths who can offer you advice on nutritional products and personalized healthy living plans. We also offer specialized lab and micronutrient testing to our customers. Visit Village Green in Bethesda at 5415 West Cedar Lane, call us at 301-530-0800 or go to our website at myvillagegreen.com. to the planet, committed to pure and great tasting omega oils.
0: The brain requires nutrition just like the rest of the body, and this is where Gero Formula's Neuro Optimizer comes to the rescue. Neuro Optimizer is a concentrated source of nutrients needed for memory, mood, concentration, and focus. Neuro Optimizer supplies the building blocks for neurotransmitters, the chemicals that allow cells in the brain to communicate and to file away memories. Neuro Optimizer is the nutritional answer to the brain's needs. To learn more about formulas, visit Gero.com. Gero Formulas, available at Village Green Apothecary.
1: Welcome back, listeners, to the third segment of the Essentials of Healthy Living on 1500 AM, brought to you by Village Green Apothecary. We're here every Sunday morning at 10 AM. And I do want to remind you that Village Green has a great sale going on, so please take advantage of it. And please do tune in next week for more information on healthy living now we have two guests today Chrissy williamson certified nutrition specialist and faculty member of muih the maryland university of integrated medicine and we also have her colleague michelle godfrey and she is a cns and their expertise we're talking about their expertise in nutritional genomics and the impact on the body of your diet the type of diet you eat relative to your gene variance, the uniqueness that you carry. So ladies, could we continue this conversation, please?
3: Sure, so um, we look at, for people, we look at their hormones and the peptides and all the different pathways in the body that influence what makes us hungry and what makes us full. So we have ones that make you hungry um, and that, you know, uh, makes the motility of your stomach go faster. It empties the stomach. It makes you feel like you need to eat. And then there's peptides that actually um, make you feel fuller, so that you stop eating. And sometimes people will have variations in these enzymes or these genes or these receptors that make them feel hungry all the time. And one of those um, genes is the the melanocortin. Um, there's a actually a couple different enzymes that it makes. But the the gene we look at is called the mc4r gene or the melicortin receptor gene and people who have this variation i find that they're very frustrated because they come to me they're the type of people who are always doing the right thing they're exercising they're not they don't feel like they're eating a lot but they always feel hungry and so they have a heart they struggle a lot with feeling full they don't feel satiated so um when we look at this gene there's been a lot of studies done on this gene People who have this genetic variation can actually, um, if I explain to them how it's working in their body, it gives them more motivation to exercise more consistently. That's something that upregulates that receptor. Um, Sunlight can actually upregulate the receptor. So those people really need to get out and get early morning sun. Kind of goes along with the clock gene. If they have both variations, they're really going to have to be careful about getting light and um, sun every day. One thing funny about this gene is that it actually is upregulated by nicotine. So this is one of the reasons why when people stop smoking, they may gain weight because that receptor is not being stimulated anymore. So um, nicotine actually without being in a cigarette can be taken as a supplement or a gum. So I don't recommend it very often to people, but it is something that you could consider if you're really having a you know, hard time losing weight and you have this genetic variation. Um, so that's one of those things. And, one thing to point out when we were talking about epigenetics, one of the first epigenetic studies was done on the agouti mouse. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that or read that, but um, the agouti protein is actually an antagonist to the melanocortin receptor, so it makes you, um, be, it, it, you know, blocks that that, and so you never you never feel full. So that that was a good study um, that they did on mice where the nutrition of the mother affected how the baby came out. And that was one of our first epigenetic studies on some of these peptides that make us feel full or not full. Um, So that's one of them. Uh, On the other hand, we have a a peptide called um, neuropeptide Y, which um, makes us, it stimulates our appetite. But it also actually protects us from stress. So we need it to be working, but um, in, in acute stress, it comes out and um, protects us, but if we're chronically stressed all the time, over and over, stress over and over, this peptide gets too high and actually causes your body to retain fat. So this is kind of the interaction between why when you're stressed and eating a junk food diet, or if you're not stressed and eating a junk food diet, if those people are eating the same amount of food and they're stressed, they're actually gonna gain more weight than the person that's not stressed. So this is a gene we'll look at and say, you know what? It's really important for you to manage your stress even more than your neighbor um, and here are some things you can do. So things like that. So it's a good example of...
1: Um, <laughs> well, I like that you say... You, you, <laughs> I like that you compare to the neighbor because this is what people do all the time. Uh, I hear it from parents. My neighbor's son did very well on the SCD diet. So I want my son to go on it. And I look at the list of symptoms and I said that diet's not for him but my neighbor's son really did well so as Mm -hmm. i try to say if your neighbor's son has peanut allergy and goes off peanuts that doesn't mean your son needs to do it you know it's highly individualized uh and i try to separate uh not talking about autism diets, but diets that can be important in those who have autism Uh, So we don't talk about autistic people. We talk about people who have autism. Uh, I think it's a subtlety, but I think it's an important one. Uh, So what else do you want to share with our listeners? I think this is a fascinating subject that you ventured into uh, in individualized medicine. So do you want to talk about uh, case histories? Uh, Would that be helpful? Well, one thing
2: I want to mention about the uh, agouti mice is that, you know, that links in methylation to the melanocortin in terms of, in terms of um, weight loss. So, you know, when we're thinking about that, so that, that study, that very first study really looked at how methylation influenced weight regulation. So they looked at folate status. They looked at B12 status. Mm-hmm. They looked at choline status. Um, And so if we are talking about how, you know, epigenetics actually influences our weight regulation, how it influences our ghrelin status, so ghrelin, of course, makes us growl or makes us hungry, Um, you know, those things are really important. So, you know, when we, again, are thinking about looking at, you know, everything in isolation, we're thinking, okay, we have this one gene. We've got to take care of this one gene. It, it really doesn't work that way, you know, because, the you know, we're looking at the agouti you know, gene and how it's going to suppress this function. So we basically have to make sure we have optimal methylation status if we're actually looking to have optimal weight loss status. Um, so we've got to make sure that those pathways are up and running and churning along and, and working beautifully before we can actually have optimal weight loss properly. So um, I think that's one of the things I just wanted to kind of touch on that. Um, you know, in terms, of, um, in terms of looking at, you know, case studies and those kinds of things, um, you know, I really, um, I'd really kind of like to talk mostly about, you know, our own, our own things. One of the things that we do at NGIs, we try everything First ourselves, <laughs> um, we like to be the guinea pigs. Um, we have, you know, we have hundreds, um, I maybe even venture to say thousands of of patients who we've gone through the the process of doing these things with and can can talk about that. You um, know, if we want to talk about maybe a a, a you know a child that has you know, is on the spectrum. We could talk about that in terms of diet. Um, you know, a lot of children on the spectrum either have oxalate sensitivity or sulfur sensitivity. Um, you know, those are things that are, that are very, very common. Um, you know, and there are, you know, several, you know, there's three major oxalate genes that we look at. Um, sulfur sensitivity is typically CBS upregulation, um, those types of things. There's, a you know, different types of symptoms that go along with both of those. Um, you know, when we have a child on the spectrum, um, that, you know, we, you know, we happy to talk about that. If that's, if that's something that you think the listeners would enjoy, um, you know, but we could also easily talk about, you know, other hormones like, you know, adiponectin, um, in terms of weight loss. Um, that's one, we always call that one, the yo-yo diet gene. That one's pretty fun, um, for, for people that, you know, lose the weight and then their body goes, hmm, no, sorry, I really like that fat cell. I'd like to gain that back. Um, And that seems to happen to a lot of people, (laughs) Um, you know, where they, you know, they'll lose 15 or 20 pounds and then within, you know, a couple of weeks or months, they gain it right back. Um, And those people almost always have um, alterations in adipo or the gene that codes for adiponectin. Um, So, and there are things that we can do to, you know, modify that, like astragalus or, um uh, curcumin those kinds of things b3 if you don't have issues in estrogen so there, there are lots of ways that we can kind of get in there and tweak um those functions for these different hormones which is really fascinating so knowing your bioindividuality is super super important um when when dealing with weight loss and actually keeping it off which is which is amazing makes all the difference in the world
1: well that that was a good overview and i think um I I think a little bit of discussion on the diet and autism. Uh, We just put out our third book, um, the Kid-Friendly ADHD and Autism Cookbook. And I didn't think we needed to write it because my colleagues invented that diet. And I argued against it. And then I was told there'll be no book or you you write the book. So I caved in and I can tell you I'm glad they ignored me. Uh, we were shocked when it hit uh, 10,000. We're at 100,000. And my son son. said, Mom, you didn't sell 100,000 books. You changed 100,000 households. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, almost makes me cry to think about because I'm sorry it's so needed, but I'm glad that we have a book that has been successful, you know, books sell themselves. Um, we did not do any particular marketing. And therefore, it was a double shock <laughs> that it was that yeah. successful. What we did this time is we, we worked on some of the diets that don't work for everybody uh, on the spectrum, but again, based on the particular individual's genomics, et cetera, uh, we can identify what diet uh, may be more helpful to them because they can get pretty restrictive. So, if you want to talk about uh, an example of a person with autism that you've worked with.
2: Sure. Um, I've got uh, a set of siblings um, that um, both have genetic hyperoxaluria type 1 um, and uh, two two young boys um, they are they've been with me for, for about three years um, when they first came to me um, they were both um, in private special education um, and were nonverbal and um, we're having issues with urinary control those types of things um, we're pretty aggressive um, had a lot of eye poking behavior um, you know, not you know, communicative. Um, did a lot of flapping and spinning and those types of things. Um, and um, you know, once we identified what the what the issue was in terms of their diet, you know, parents were vegetarian or uh, vegan, so they were eating um, all plant-based diet. Um, and uh, once we recognized that they were having you know really high consumption of nuts and beets and uh, spinach and wheat products and all of those things. Uh, we restructured the diet. We reintroduced um, lean animal protein um, and rebalanced the diet. Um, we put them on magnesium citrate to help remove oxalate. Um, those types of things. Rebalance mitochondrial function. Of course, um, both children are now um, well before COVID. Uh, we're in. Uh, regular school um, in California and and doing very well, re-socialized, all of those types of things, no longer having any urinary issues, not flapping anymore, um, any of those types of things. So um, they were labeled as uh, previously having um, a vaccine injury and regressive autism. So one of the cases where, you know, clearly it was, um, you know, mostly dietary related, um, and, uh, not really an issue. Um, you know, both children are still, um, what I would say, very high functioning on the spectrum. Um, you know, you can still, you know, tell that they're, you know, likely having some sort of social deficit. Um, but, you know, looking at the child or both children actually from, you know, start to finish, you know, I would say they're operating at 90% versus, you know, maybe 10% when they first came.
1: Well, we look at um, symptoms. Before we knew all this, we had to read the patient. That's my favorite thing to say, read the patient. And when you get red cheeks and ears and you get hyperactive and you crave apple juice and you crave other phenolics, I mean, it's, it's not too hard to figure out, okay, that's the problem. Uh, in general, with the exception of salt, what we crave is what's hurting us. And uh, mm-hmm. the salt craving, if you, a lot of children with autism do not muscle up well. They're very pale. Uh, they're not very coordinated. This is not all of them, but this is not uncommon. And what we're looking at is adrenal issues. Their bodies have been in stress mm-hmm. since birth or maybe life, right? And those mm-hmm. adrenals have shriveled up and they're not working well. Uh, so I had been nudging Autism Research Institute to really focus on the adrenals and the stress on those adrenals and uh, the, the pathways involved. So it has, we've had an uptick in, in people paying attention to that and then you get a child that has a little more coordination, uh, trying to get more nutrients to the muscles, et cetera, uh, not unlike what you you all are doing. And we're going to, going to talk more about this in our final segment. And folks, if you've just tuned in with us, our guests are Chrissy Williams, a certified nutrition specialist, and her CNS colleague, Michelle Godfrey, and we're talking about nutrigenomics. We've been talking about diet, weight, health, how the genomics affects what diet we should be on, and also lifestyle issues. So we'll keep that going in the final segment. Uh, If you just tuned in, stay with us. We'll be right back after this brief break.
0: Stop by Village Green Apothecary in Bethesda at 5415 West Cedar Lane or visit our website at myvillagegreen.com. Some things are hard to stomach, and life doesn't stop for occasional immune challenges or intestinal distress. Probalardi from Metagenics offers a new targeted probiotic approach for intestinal support. Help maintain control while traveling or as a follow-up to antibiotic therapy to support intestinal flora for healthy intestinal function. ProBalarti provides ID-certified probiotic strains suggested by research to enhance certain aspects of immune function in addition to promoting a healthy balance of intestinal microflora. ProBalarti is the go-to probiotic for patients on the go. Get it today. Available through your healthcare professional and Village Green apothecary.
5: Quality can't always be seen. Honest labeling, trusted sourcing, unwavering standards. At Pure Encapsulations, we are committed to wellness without compromise, delivering high-quality hypoallergenic products for nearly three decades. Our products are free from gluten, trans fats, peanuts, GMOs, magnesium stearate, and artificial ingredients. Pure Encapsulations is the leading brand in the healthcare practitioner market, ranking highest in ingredients purity quality testing, and trust. Pure Encapsulations products available at Village Green Apothecary and MyVillageGreen.com.
6: Have you ever wondered why the cold and flu season occurs in the fall and winter months? One theory is because of a decrease in sun exposure, our bodies don't make enough vitamin D, which is essential to proper immune function. That's why medical experts recommend supplementing with vitamin D. Thorne Research's vitamin D products are made from pure vitamin D, with no preservatives or unnecessary ingredients added. Support your immune system with Thorne's vitamin D-1000 and D-5000. These and other immune-supporting formulas are always available at Village Green.
1: Welcome back, listeners, to today's final segment of the Essentials of Healthy Living on 1500 AM. I'm Dana Lake, trying to bring you a wide variety of really good information all about you and your health. And Village Green is your resource for questions about your health via the website and the store on Cedar Lane. They carry superior supplements from many manufacturers, including their own Pathway products. Now we're here every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Please tune in next week for more information on healthy living. And our esteemed guests today are Dr. Chrissy Williamson, a certified nutrition specialist, and Michelle Godfrey, also a CNS, and we've been talking about the role of genes in diet, in weight, in lifestyle, and why there can be different outcomes when two people who are neighbors try the same diet. So uh, let's hear more about this lady. (laughs) Well,
2: so there are some genes that just make us fat um and they're not fair (laughs) Um, you know and so we look at these genes we go man how did i get stuck with this and then we look at our parents and we're like oh it's totally you it's your fault right um so we can we can be mad at one or both of our parents um there's one of these genes that's called gnb3 Um, an overexpression of this gene causes obesity and metabolic symptom or metabolic syndrome excuse me um, and basically, it can cause obesity with the same amount of intake, the same amount of activity. Um, so, like, you're, you're going, you know, cycling with your neighbor, and you're eating the same food as they are, and yet they are, you know, 105 pounds, and you're 150 pounds. And you're looking at them going, this is just not fair. Again, blame your parents, um, or you can blame this gene. Um, this is one of those things that you can kind of go, man, how do I fix this? Um, and this is why we look at your genes. So berberine or berberine HCL is actually one of the things that you can do to modulate this. Another one of those genes that you kind of look at and you get mad about is the fat mass obesity gene or the FTO gene. Um, this one's been really well studied. It's super popular. Um, this one is modulated by things like iron and oxygen. Oxygen basically means exercise, guys. Um, this is super important for us to pay attention to. Um, things like turmeric can modulate this gene as well. Um, and for certain SNPs in there, things like pomegranate. So you could take a shot of pomegranate juice in the morning and it might actually help you with weight loss. Um, so there are a couple of things that you know we look at. Those are more nutrigenetic genes. Those are more some of the odds ratio ones, but we can still influence them by our diet and lifestyle and exercise. Um, but there are some big regulatory pathways, and I'm a biochemist, guy, so this might be a little bit you know, out there, but you know, there are some big regulatory pathways, and we're gonna take the teeth out of it and not make it so scary. Um, but it's called mTOR and AMPK. And so basically, one makes you grow stuff and one makes you lose stuff. And the mTOR pathway is the growing pathway, and the AMPK pathway makes you, makes you lose weight, basically. So we don't want mTOR to be in control, we want AMPK to be in control when we're trying to lose weight. Um, And things that make mTOR be the boss are things like dairy and too much protein, okay? So my bodybuilders, they're kind of like, well, hey, I want mTOR, I want to grow, I want big muscles, all right? And so that's why you have, you know, bodybuilders eat a lot of protein and drink a lot of whey powdered protein powder drinks, right? Because they want mTOR to be in control. But if you're trying to lose weight, then this has to be in balance, okay? So super, super important because if mTOR is growing things in your body, we don't want other things to grow in the body like tumors, right? So mTOR again, it doesn't work just where we want it to work, like in our biceps for our guys out there, <laughs> all right? So, um, or maybe our girls too, but. Um, You know, for the guy, you know, that's trying to get the big arms out there. You know, it's not just going to work there. It's also going to work in other places like potentially cancer cells. So it's got to be super careful. Um, So we're really trying to, you know, we're thinking about weight loss. We really are trying to get AMPK to boost up, all right? So there are drugs that do that, like metformin. That's one of the reasons it's so popular for weight loss. And then there are other things like berberine, again, super popular, green tea extract, uh, turmeric or curcumin, quercetin, resveratrol, ginseng, things like fish oil, fasting, of course, um, and exercise. Um, So these are all things, all natural compounds that help to upregulate AMPK. Um, Of course, we have genetics for these things. Um, We actually look at the mTOR gene, and then there are genetics that we look at for AMPK. Um, something called lkb1 and then um, k or, or cam uh, kk2 is actually um, the ampk genetic so um, there are things that we look at for these things um, there are actually many more uh, genes that we are looking at in terms of this particular pathway but um, hopefully that wasn't too scary in terms of biochemistry um, okay. this is one of michelle's favorite pathways michelle do you have anything else to add about about this pathway
3: well if you if you just think about um, the people that are always stimulating mTOR, um, you have all these byproducts of metabolism that need to be cleaned out. So I kind of think of AMPK as is the clean out system. You have to give your body a break sometimes. Um, you know you need to stop eating all the time. People that eat all day long, all this protein. They work out. They have protein. They have protein before protein after. Um, protein's important. Don't get me wrong. We need our amino you know, acids to make things and and make um, genes and um replicate genes and all that good stuff but too much um you just you're never allowing your body to have a break um this is why we sleep we basically are cleaning cow proteins out of our brain and we're giving our digestion a rest and so that's how i kind of view the ampk pathway is kind of just like a break from things and it allows your body to burn fat it allows your body to you know your liver to have a break. It's, um, it's just a great pathway to stimulate, not all the time. You want to have a good healthy balance. But if you're fasting, this is a great way to do it. You're eating some of the time, but you're giving your body a break um, for part of the day and when you're sleeping. And it helps modulate this pathway really well. So fasting is my favorite thing for this, this pathway.
1: And it works. It's worked so well for me. I'm a big proponent. Well, very, very well explained. And Dr. Williamson, how can people get in touch with you and your program? So, uh, the
2: nutritionalgenomicsinstitute.com is the best way to find us. Um, So, that's our website. Um, So, that's the best way to find us. Uh, We have all of our information there. We have all the information about our panels there, Um, and so um, you can just... Hop on there and uh, find information about Michelle and myself um, and then our other CNSs that are there as well. So it's got Laura and Sam um, that, that are there as well.
1: Excellent. I, I want to thank you both for being on the show today, and I know we'll be having you back. Uh, And I want to thank you, listeners, for joining us on the Essentials of Healthy Living on 1500 AM. Remember, you can access this show or any previous shows through iTunes on the Essentials of Healthy Living podcast. And the meaning of life is to find your gift. The purpose of life is to give it away. And I always think that practitioners like the two of you understand that and do it very well. You're willing to share what you know and uh, go forward. You don't have to look back over your shoulder. You just go forward. So thank you for joining us. And uh, listeners, uh, as our lives move forward, I'm always reminded that every day is a new day, every minute a new minute giving us many opportunities to make positive health-enhancing choices. And may you make those positive choices today thank you for being with us. Thank Thank you.
4: 15 West Cedar Lane, or visit our website at myvillagegreen.com.